Hey, Happy New Year to y'all. Well, somebody's excited about 2023. What's the matter with the rest of you? You know, you're like, yeah, yeah, another new year, whatever. Same as last year, only I can't write it on a check because we don't write checks anymore. So you don't have to mess it up. But it's a new year, guys. It's, it's, a, it's a new moment. It's a new time to, to refresh and restart and recharge and go, hey, listen, what's happening now? What can be new this year? And there's all kinds of things that can be new this year. We, as a teaching team, what we do is we pick a theme for the year. Last year was blind spots. So we wanted to look at all the blind spots that we had and what we could do to overcome those. This year's theme is hope. And it's starting out really good as a hope-filled year. I mean, last week in the Cincinnati Bengals-Bills game, it brought a lot of hope to so many people's lives, even if you're not a football fan. You know, DeMar Hamlin, a player for the Buffalo Bills, went into cardiac arrest on the field. And they did CPR and the, the, the shock things on him for, for several minutes trying to keep him alive. Now, now, again, this was one of the biggest NFL games of the season. One of the biggest, right? And I, I, I mean, it had a lot of consequences for both teams. But don't miss the hope that happened during this incident. The Bengals and the Bills... Both chose not to finish the football game out of respect for DeMar Hamlin and out of respect for the players of both teams. And I just got to tell you, it was so good to see that a life meant more than money. Amen? I mean, that's, that, that's just an incredible moment. It was so great to see people from all over the world praying for DeMar Hamlin, praying for what was going on. Didn't matter your background, didn't matter your politics, didn't matter anything. Announcers live on TV praying for this young man, people praying everywhere for him, the teams praying. It's like there's hope left in this world, right? Good job, Bengals. Yeah. Good job, Cincinnati. Good job, culture. I think we might just make it, guys. I think we might be good, you know, because there's hope that's out there right now. Now, we're jumping into a new series today called Divine Direction, and this is based on uh, teaching in a book that a guy named Craig Rochelle uh, wrote, and it's all about how to make decisions in a good, godly kind of way. Now, uh, again, Groeschel is incredible. He's the pastor of Life Church TV. So much good stuff out there. And, and all of us as pastors, if that's what you do for a living, you get asked some similar questions like, can you help me make this decision? What's God's will for my life? Can, can you just help me find God's will? And I get that all the time. How do I know what God wants me to do? You ever thought that? You ever ask that question? It's a great question. And to be honest with you, I struggle with that in my own life at times. And because of that question, we're going to focus in on this one concept that's the key to everything that we're going to talk about over the next month. The decisions that we make today determine who we become tomorrow. Write that down. I know it's not earth-shaking, right? It's not like, wow, I've never heard that before. But the decisions that we make today determine who we become tomorrow. Our decisions matter. 
We're the result of the decisions that we've made in the past. That's who you are right now. Who you'll become and what you'll be able to do in the future is a direct result of what you choose today. This moment determines who you become in the future. So most of us know that, but we're going to figure out kind of how to seek God as we look to make the right decisions, right? Not just a decision, but the right decisions in our lives. Anybody here make bad decisions in your life? All right. All right. There you go. Thank you, Jason, for being honest. Dave, you're sitting right behind him. I didn't see your hand go up. Any bad decisions? Maybe, maybe not, right? All of us have made bad decisions. Every single person on this planet have made bad decisions in our lives. Now, (laughs) maybe you've made a bad decision like this. I am, I am building a barn on our property, and, and I've been using a lot of power tools, and I'm not great with power tools to begin with, but I haven't got to this level of bad decision yet, all right? So I, I, we better all hope I don't get there. But anyway, you, know, you see that, and, and to, to be honest, a lot of us just aren't great decision makers. I mean, we're just not. Have you ever wished you could go back and have a few do-overs in your life? Anybody wish for a do-over? Man, you know, it's like, where would I be now if that hadn't happened? Or how would I be living now? Or what would my life be like if I just didn't have that decision in my life? Have you ever lost your temper? (laughs) Shannon's going, yeah, that's me. I'm standing up on my chair. That's my life right there. You lost your temper. You go back, you think, you know, wish I had a do-over on that one. Maybe not all of them. But on this specific one, I wish I had a do-over. Maybe you regret someone that you dated. And you think, man, if I could go back in my life and redo that, my life would be so much better right now. Maybe you regret buying something big. I mean, you thought about it for just a minute, right? And then you went and made the 30, 40, 50, 60, $100,000 purchase because you knew that's exactly what you wanted. And then that purchase is stuck sitting there and you're going, why did I do that? Why? I wish I could have a do-over on that again. Maybe it's when you said, hey, hold my beer. Those decisions never end up well, right? They just don't. And, and frankly, I'm surprised some of you are still with us because of those decisions that you've made in in those moments. Maybe, maybe, maybe the reason we need this series is because a lot of us have some big decisions coming up. And they happen for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're 18, 28, or 68. It doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life or if you're just checking this whole Jesus thing out for the very first time. There are questions about our future that we need some godly answers to. We just do. Maybe for you, let's just say you're in high school, right? And you're graduating this year. You have some decisions to make. Where do I go to college? What do I do? Do do I really, what do I really want to major in? What's my life going to look like for me in the future? Some of you are ready to graduate from college. I mean, only a few months left and you're trying to figure out how to get a job and where to move. Those are big decisions My daughter-in-law, Allie, just graduated from PA school. She's been in college for six and a half years. 
not because she failed anything, because she's at the top of her class and she went into the medical field and now she has to decide between two great jobs. Does she do the neurotrauma or does she go into be a general hospitalist in the medical field? Big decisions, but she has to choose what she wants after all that time in college. Some of you are dating someone and you're going, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with who they are. They're not a Christian, but you, you know what? They're cute, and, and you're going, I, I think I can change them into being a Christian, but I can't change them if they're not cute. And so you're just kind of going with, with that factor in your life. You have some decisions to make. Maybe for you, it's should I take this new job offer? There's some risk to it. You know, there, there's some excitement with it, or should I stay at the job I've got? Should I buy a new car or should I keep trying to get another 30, 40, 50, 60,000 miles out of the one that I currently have? What do I do with my parents, depending on your age? They're getting older. What, what, what do I do? How do I, how do I help them? How do I be there for them? How do I take their driver's license when they can't do that anymore? Just big challenges. Or what do you do if your parents have passed and they've left you in charge of their estate? How do you make those decisions and those choices? A lot of us have decisions that are really important, and we need some divine direction. We need some godly direction in our lives. There's been a lot of research about decision-making when it comes to the generational decision-makers, so the different generations that have been the builders, the boomers, the millennials. And for the millennials, the people that are in their late 20s to late 30s, right around 40, uh, the research shows that they're having a hard time trying to make decisions. Now, I've got three boys in this category and three daughter-in-laws now in that same category, and there are so many positives with people that are in the millennial generation. I mean, they have huge hearts. They're the most giving generation, I think, that we've ever had. They truly care about people, about culture, about society, about the future. They, they, they just really do. But they're having a more difficult time committing to things and making decisions that previous generations would have made instantly. I, the, the biggest theory behind this is, is why it's such a struggle is that millennials have more options today than any other generation. Now, I graduated high school in 1984. You can date me by that, by the way. 1984, when I graduated high school, I had three choices. Military, go into the steel mills because I grew up in steel mill country. I could go work at the mill. Or if your parents had enough money, you could go to college. Now, the loans weren't as prevalent, weren't as easy to get then, but you could go to college if you could afford to go to college. Now it's you do college or do you do college online or do you do college when you're in your junior year of high school and keep doing more college when you're in your senior year of high school? Do you travel the world? Do you start a business? Do, do you hope to make it big on some type of social media to set you up for life? Those are all choices that have to be made. And there are so many different options. And again, a lot of millennials are having a difficult time making a decision, but it's not just the millennial generation. A lot of all of us are having a hard time making decisions. Anybody watch Netflix? Yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot of it until COVID hit. And then it's like, well, what else do you do? So you watch Netflix. Well, the staff was all off for a little bit of a break during the holidays. And, 
And so I decided one day I'm going to go in the basement, turn on the TV, and watch Netflix for a few hours. And so I turned on Netflix. And 45 minutes later, I still couldn't decide what to watch on Netflix. And so now there's this new thing. It will choose something for you if you can't make a choice. So I just hit that button because I was so frustrated that I couldn't decide anything. And so it played a movie that I didn't like, but it's what it chose, not what I chose. You know, we, we have this Netflix generation that has so many options, and it's difficult to make a decision. And what happens with that? Well, why, why don't we make decisions? Well, maybe we're going to make a wrong decision. Maybe it'll be the, the imperfect decision. So our decision lately is not to decide anything at all. Friends, we need some divine direction. We need some godly influence to make decisions, especially when it comes to God's will. We need that in our lives. What does he want for us? How does he want us to make this decision? What would be best for our future? So you have to, to figure that out, you have to step back and go, well, what does God truly care about? God cares about who we are much more than he cares about what we do. If you're going to write something down, write that down. God cares about more about who we are than about what we do. All right? So you just got to understand that. You're going to, come on, Scott, I want to know what I'm supposed to be. Should I be a lawyer or be a priest? They're opposite ends of the spectrum, by the way. I just threw that in there in case you didn't know that. What do you want me to be, God? A lawyer or a priest? Am I supposed to go on the mission field to a third world country where there's nothing, they're just impoverished, or am I supposed to live in a big mansion in Beverly Hills? Come on, God, just tell me. What, what, what's my future? What, what, what should I choose? All I want to know is, God, what do you want from me? D don't miss this. This is your answer. All right? 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God's will is for you to be holy. That's God's answer to you. God's will is for you to be holy. You're going, come on, Scott, you're not answering my question. That's not what I asked. I want to know what career am I supposed to choose. I want to know, do I stay in this current job or do I move? Listen, God's will for you is more about who you are than it's about what you do. It's more about you. God's will for you is so much more important than anything that you're going to choose or do. It's not about what you do. It's about you being holy. It's about you figuring out who you are and how God wants you to live. In fact, the Greek word translated holy is agios, and it means to be set apart, to be different. When you look at Jesus' teaching in the Bible, guess what? He never talks about what you do for a living. It's just not in there. It's not there. The Bible never talks about God's will for your career. It's just not there. Jesus talks about character. He talks about God's calling on your life. But the only time Jesus brought up anything about somebody's job is when he told them to leave it to follow him. Leave your fishing job, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you into something so much more than you could have ever been if you simply become what I'm telling you to become. And because you're following Jesus, it's more important who you follow than what you do. Because if you're following Jesus, your life starts to change. 
Now, the question people keep asking is, what does God want me to do? That's still your question. What does he want me to do? The better question is this, who does God want me to become? Not what does he want you to do, who does he want you to become? If you'll start there with that truth, eventually you'll be the right person doing the right things in the right ways. It's not about what God wants you to do. It's about who he wants you to become. Let let me ask you a question. And please be kind, okay? You could really hurt my feelings with this. And so don't give a verbal answer. Just silently in your head, scream whatever you want to scream to this, this question. Just don't shake your head out loud, okay? Just don't do that. How many of you would say that for me, God's will for my life is that I'm a pastor? I mean, I've been part of community church for 29-ish years. We have reached thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people with the love of Jesus. We have discipled more people than I'll ever remember their names or who they are. We have reached thousands and thousands of people with support and love and stuff to keep them alive and keep them moving forward. I have preached, I don't know, I don't know how many sermons I've preached in 29 years, um, but that's a lot of teaching, right? I mean, it's a, it's a lot of sermons, and I figure I've got about nine years of full-time ministry left, which is about 350 sermons, so if you're trying to wait it out until I'm gone, all right, you got about nine years, and then you can go, oh, finally, he's gone. We don't have to listen to him anymore, but about 350 sermons. So is it God's will for me to be a pastor? Maybe. Maybe at best it's a secondary will or a third or a fourth or a fifth part of God's will for me. God's first part of his will for my life is that I'm holy. That's the the will of my life for God. That's what he wants for me is that I'm holy. It's more about my character than it is about my job as a pastor. For example, I, I don't know, I could be a pastor and I could be out of God's will if God and I aren't connected together. Like if I'm just doing this as a job, then I could be out of God's will, right? Maybe if I preach a really good sermon, but I'm abusive to my wife, I'm not in God's will if that happens. I'm just not. If I preach a really good message and I'm not loving my kids, that's not in God's will because God wanted me to train and love and develop my children, especially when they were at home with us. You know what? If I'm a good leader, and I get a lot done, but I'm irresponsible with my finances or with the finances of this institution, I'm not in God's will. I'm way outside of God's will. Why? Because God's will is more about who I am than what I do. God's will is more about who you are than what you'll ever do in your life. How we're living our lives matter more than what we do. It's the same thing in your life. You know, let's go to some more personal examples. Should you date this person or not? Let me say this. If that's the mode that you're in, the, the reality of your life, should you be in that dating mode right now? Should you date this person or not? First of all, if you're a Christ follower, you should be dating another Christ follower because that's what the Bible says. Don't be unequally yoked. So that's one thing. But if you're dating somebody that serves and loves Jesus, then while you do that, you have to date them with integrity. You have to date them with honesty. You have to date them with purity. 
And it doesn't matter what your age is for that. That's how you need to be living your life. Focus on who you are. Be the right person. And as you're the right person, God will put somebody in your life that will be right for you because you're the right person in that moment. Should I stay in this place or should I take another job somewhere else? There's a lot that goes into that, right? I mean, do I move to Florida or stay in Ohio? When it's negative 35 degree wind chill, I may be swayed to move to Florida, right? But when it's 99 and humidity, I may be swayed to come back to Ohio. Uh, th- those kind of things. There's all, thing, all kinds of things that go into that. Yeah, but, but it's not about where you go. It's about who you are when you're there. Listen, who you are at work is the most important work that you ever do. Okay? You got that? If you're a, in the medical field, if you're a doctor, and if Jesus wants you to be a doctor and you're in that medical field, be the best doctor for Jesus that you can be while you're there. Love, integrity, support, honesty. Working to find out what's, what's happening. You be the best doctor you can be. If you sell real estate, be the best real estate person you can be in the name of Jesus. Honesty, integrity, openness. If you're a teacher... Be the kind of teacher that Jesus wants you to be. Loving those kids with everything that you've got, teaching those kids. It, it, it doesn't matter where you are. Who you are at work is far more important than what you do at work or do for work. Should I major in business or elementary education? Yes. It doesn't matter. It's wherever your heart is for that. It's wherever you want to go, and then you be the best in whatever field you choose for Jesus. Whatever you major in, do it for Jesus. Instead of just saying, what do you want me to do in the future, Jesus? You need to change that question to this. Who do you want me to become now in the present so that it changes my future? Who do you want me to be now? What can I change now so I change my future? Craig Rochelle says this, if you're becoming the right who, you will choose the right do. Kind of sounds kind of Dr. Sushis, doesn't it? But it's cool. If you're becoming the right who, you will choose the right do. The, the second thing in how to find God's direction in our lives is this. God's will is why are you doing something before it's what are you doing? It's the why you do something. Proverbs 16.2 says this, You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Sometimes there are really good things that we're asking God for. And God is a good, good Father. He wants to provide things for all of us. He wants us to have things that are the desires of our hearts. And and maybe he's going to provide that job, or maybe he's going to provide that person, or maybe he's going to provide that finance for you. But when God looks at you and he says, your motives aren't quite right for that. I mean, I get why you want it, and I understand why you want it, but your motives aren't quite there. You're saying you want something, but it's not living up to what's, what's inside of your heart. Motives matter to God. In fact, there's an old saying that says there are two reasons everyone does something. The reason that we tell everybody else, and then there's the real reason. What's your motive? Why are you really asking for that? Why are you really doing that? Because motives matter. 
Todd Clark says it's almost impossible to get to the right place when you have the wrong motives because you'll never be who you need to be to be in the right place. Think about that. As you're asking for God's will and, and divine direction, because how often are our motives self-centered? How often? I'm guessing a lot of the time. How often are our motives all about us? What we want, what, what we desire, rather than what does God want in this scenario? What is, what is God's plan for this? How does this help others by making this decision? Because when we look at our motives, they can't all be about us. It's almost impossible to end up in the right destination when you start with the wrong why question. Why do I want to be there? Well, when, 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 when God looks at us, what does God want us to do and how does God want us to live? Let's say you're going to buy a car. Ask why. Why do I want this car? Are you buying the car? Is it because you can afford it and you want something reliable? That's a good reason. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, are, are you going to buy it because it's more safe than the current vehicles that you have? Or do you need more space? Or you just have to ask why? Is it a good thing? Or are you trying to make a statement? Like, I'm better than you because of what I drive. You ever do that? Some of us have done that. I mean, I, I drive a Jeep Wrangler. I love the Jeep Wrangler. I love the Jeep culture. I love the Jeep wave. I love taking the doors off. I love taking the top down. I'm sorry if that offends you. I love driving a Jeep. Now, it's an old, it's a 2016 Jeep. It's not new. There's nothing special about it, but I love driving it. I also drive a Ford Flex with a cracked side window and 256,000 miles on it. Nobody wants to drive that, but I drive that anyway almost every day. So those are just some of the things. Why do you want a new car? What, what, what's going on with that? Do you really need it, or do you need to keep this thing running a few more miles? Way too many of us buy things that we don't need to impress people that we don't really like anyway. Isn't that a true statement? Don't we all do that? I want to fit in. I want to look better. I want to look bigger. I, whatever it is. And those people don't care about you, and you really don't care about them. But yet we still do that. You ask why. Why do we try to impress people? You know, maybe, maybe we need to, to, to read Galatians 1.10 that says this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul said this in Colossians 3, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, wherever you go, serve Jesus there. Be Jesus in that scenario. Craig Rochelle says, you may say I'm just a stay-at-home mom and I'm up to my neck in laundry and poop. Wash that laundry and clean that poop for the glory of Jesus. That'll be the cleanest laundry and the most poop-free baby ever. Why? Because you're being Jesus in that scenario. You, you're, you're loving your child and disciplining your child, and it might be a difficult season, but those are the right things to do. 
You may say, I'm just a student, but one day I'm going to do something big. Listen, be faithful while you're doing something small long before you expect to do anything big. Serve Jesus where you are. One day I'm going to be a missionary overseas. Be a missionary in your biology class. Be a missionary in your workplace. One day, one day, I'm going to do something. But now, I'm just a fast food kind of, kind of person. You're the fry guy. Listen, be the best fry guy you can be in the name of Jesus. And one day, maybe you'll get promoted to burger flipper. And then you'd be the best burger flipper possible that anybody has ever seen. Because it's all about what you do, where you are. Instead of saying, God, what's that big thing that you have out there for me? You be Jesus' hands and feet where you are. And that will answer the question of what does God want for my life? What's God's will for my life? I I know a lot of times we just want to say, God, just tell me. Tell me what to do. But if you're looking for God's will for your life, it's not about what do you want me to do. It's all about who do you want me to become. Will you pray with me? Father God, I'm praying for everyone in this room and everybody watching online. God, may you, may you help us to see that the future and our lives are more, more than just about where do you want us and what do you want us to do. It's about who are we becoming so that we can do in any situation, in any circumstance, exactly what you've called us to do, which is to be holy. Thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.